Well, this morning I want to uh, begin my message by just having you think about things, right? Just having you think about um, the things that we have made. Now, when I talk about things that we have made, I'm talking about mankind. I'm not necessarily talking about any things that you have made, though it certainly includes that. But I'm, I'm talking about anything. So just, just think about anything. Think about pencils or, or desks or roads or tractors or, or phones. Um, when we make these things, every single one of them has a purpose in what we're doing. So you think about a, a pencil... Right? Why do we make a pencil? And so we can write on a sheet of paper, right? And why do we make a desk? So that we can sit and so that we can right, work and do some paperwork or study. And, and why do we make a road? So that we can travel with our cars. And why do we make a, a tractor? So that we can get into the fields and so we can harvest and plant and plant and harvest. I guess that order is better. And so why do we make a phone? What's the purpose of a phone? It's so that we can pick up and talk to someone who is away from us. You know, and everything. I mean, just, just think of other things. Everything we make has a purpose. Say a, a pillar in a wall has a purpose to hold up the wall. Uh, you think a billboard along the way, along a street someplace. Its purpose is to advertise something as people drive by. You think about oil. Oil is a purpose. We put it in an engine so that everything runs smooth and it doesn't overheat because it runs smooth with a little less friction. A book. We make a book so we can communicate things to people. We, we make a cup so as to hold a, a liquid for us to drink. And, and even, you know, some things that we think maybe don't have a purpose actually have a purpose. You, you think about maybe kids drawing stuff in their classrooms or doing some sort of a craft. You know, the purpose might not be actually the end product, but the purpose might be to teach people better about, you know, how to draw, how to write, things like that. But I, but I remember even something that had no purpose, and this is called, it, it, when we had this toy at my house. It's a do-nothing, okay? You can see it there, and literally, like, you turned around the back, it says, this is a do-nothing. It literally does nothing. And uh, it kind of had a couple grooves like that, and you can, you know, kind of move your, move your handle around, and it's sort of like... like does this, I'm not even sure, it's not quite elliptical, it just kind of runs around, whatever like that. It's a, it's a do-nothing. So I even think about this thing that we created that does nothing has a purpose. It, it has a purpose to start conversation. This used to sit on our, um, uh, on our kitchen counter, and people would come in and say, hey, what's that? Oh, it's a do-nothing. What do you mean? And they'd start rolling. Hey, this is kind of fun. Uh, this kind of feels. This is, and so it's for entertainment purposes. It's just for... Uh, for something that it just kind of helps us, everything kind of moves back and forth like it does. It's like a fidget spinner today. It doesn't have a lot of purpose, but it does. I mean, it's, it's built just to do nothing, just to stir us with something. And um, I, I think that everything that we create has some sort of purpose. And, and even when things fail to accomplish their purposes, right, we, we discard them because they no longer meet the purpose, right? And glass breaks... Our cup breaks, right? We throw it away. It can't hold water anymore. When a car breaks down beyond repair, it goes to the junkyard because it can't drive the road anymore. Or we open a package, right? We throw away the cardboard because it's fulfilled its, its purpose, no longer needed. 
when we finish eating, we throw away the paper plate. It's no longer fulfilled its purpose. It's filled its purpose, like to hold food for a little bit, and then we throw it away. That's how we deal with things we create. Everything that we create, everything that we use, has some purpose, or we discard it. Now, it's not an accident that we create things in mind with purposes, because that's exactly what God has done. God, everything that He created has a purpose. That's exactly Proverbs 16, verse 4. The Lord has made everything for its purpose. Everything that God has made has a purpose. Even the wicked for the day of trouble. So it says everything that God has made uh, has a purpose. It means everything. From distant stars have a purpose to a blade of grass. You know, the stars are for the glory of God and the grass is for the horse to have its food. Some things have an express purpose, right? God created gravity to hold everything together. It created carbon and oxygen and water to provide life. And some things are beautiful for us to behold, like a, a budding flower, the geysers at Yosemite. And, and some things are ugly, like the smell of the geysers at Yosemite is not so pleasant, or the, the mud puddle on a rainy day, or a rotting corpse. Like These things aren't, uh, aren't so lovely, but they're made for a purpose. God created everything for its purpose. And you know that each of us have a purpose as well. You know, a lot of people are into like writing a purpose statement for their life or doing something like that. I think that one of the best purpose statements that all of us ought to have is the first question of the Westminster Catechism. Here it says, what is the chief and highest end of man? It's supposed to be end, not and of man, I guess so. So what is the chief and highest and of man? What is it? Who knows? To glorify God and to... Enjoy Him forever. Those of you who've been trained in your catechism, there is man's chief and highest end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That is your purpose in life, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's why we enjoy the grace of God at Rock Valley Bible Church. That's fundamental to what we're doing. We're looking to enjoy the grace of God. We're looking to extend the glory of God because that's our, our chief end, those two things, which are one thing. Man's chief end and highest end is, is the one thing, glorifying God and enjoying Him forever. Colossians 1.16, which is read at the beginning of the service, says that all things were created through Him and for Him. Let's talk about Jesus. The creation created through Jesus and for Jesus. All things have a purpose that was created for Him. Isaiah 43, verse 7 says, Everyone who is called by my name, I created for my glory. God created all things for His glory. The title of my message this morning is All Creation Called to Praise. Because that's what comes from our text this morning, Psalm 148. So if you haven't opened your Bibles, I invite you to right now, Psalm 148. We're continuing in the Alleluia Psalms, the last five Psalms of the Psalter. They're called Alleluia Psalms because every single one of them, Psalm 146, 147, 148, 149, 150, they all start with praise the Lord, they all end with praise the Lord. And, and praise the Lord is the translation of the Hebrew word Alleluia. Hallel, to praise Yah, Yahweh, praise the Lord. And two weeks ago we looked at Psalm 146, which called us to praise the Lord, called us to resolve to praise our Lord. It begins with this verse in verse 1. In verse 2, it says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. There's the resolve. Even in verse 1, speaking to his soul, the psalmist says, O my soul, praise the Lord. Right? It's good for you to praise the Lord. It's the best thing for you to do is to be a worshiper of God, praising the Lord in all things. 
In fact, verse 5 says, Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Really, that verse has captured me the last couple of weeks. Just to know that we are blessed when God is the one who's helping us. It's the gospel, right? Is, is, that, is that when God comes and helps us, when we're trusting in Christ for forgiveness of sins, and he is our helper, that's when we're blessed. Not, not when we're doing all these things, working for God, doing this. God says, you're blessed when I come and help you. It's the best thing for us. Last week, we looked at Psalm 147, which shows how fitting it is to praise the Lord. So what it says in verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it's pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. It's appropriate. It's, it's proper. Because God is merciful and mighty, because He's caring and compassionate, because He's peaceful and powerful, it is appropriate. It's fitting for us to praise the Lord. Well, this week we come to Psalm 148, and this is calling all creation to praise the Lord. In fact, it's interesting, this, ver- this psalm is 14 verses long, and there are a dozen times in which we are commanded explicitly to praise the Lord, and, and many other times the psalm where the command to praise is, is implied. It, it doesn't say, praise the Lord, you his, his beasts, right? It doesn't say that, it just says, you his beasts, and um, it, it, it says... Um, as, we, as we work through Psalm 148, it just says mountains and hills, fruit trees and all cedars. We could say, praise the Lord, mountains. Praise the Lord, hills. Praise the Lord, cedars. Praise the Lord, you fruit trees. Like you could, you could have praised the Lord so many times here, but just only a dozen is, is what we got. And so that's the, the call of the, the psalm is that all of creation would praise the Lord, and we are included in that. So let's listen now for the, the commands to praise the Lord as I read Psalm 148. It says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights, praise him all his angels, praise him all his hosts, praise him sun and moon, praise him all you shining stars, praise him you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord for he commanded and they were created. He established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great seat sea creatures and all deeps and here's you can insert praise the lord fire and praise the lord hail snow and mist stormy wind fulfilling his word mountains and all hills fruit trees and all cedars beasts and all livestock creeping things and all flying birds kings of the earth and all peoples princes and all rulers of the earth young men and maidens together old men and children let them praise the name of the lord for his name alone is exalted His majesty is above the earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints. For the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. And this psalm breaks down nicely in in two parts. Uh, The first part comes in verses 1 through 6. And the second part comes in verses 7 through 14. Um, Each of these parts is a a call to praise. Uh, I, I wrote out in the weekly word this week to read the psalm and try to guess what my outline was. And it, it's, it's super clear. The first is praise from heavens, and the second one is praise from the earth. So two parts from my message this morning, praise from the heavens, and my second one is praise from the earth. Now, normally I don't reveal all my points altogether, but there's my message. So that's, that's how the psalm uh, falls out. That's what I want to speak, because I want to just speak God's word to you. That, that's what it is. And the title of my message, of course, is, is all creation called to praise because that's what we see in the psalm. We see the heavenly beings called to praise the Lord in verse 2. We see the stars and planets 
called to praise the Lord in verses 3 through 4. We see the creatures of the sea in verse 7. We see the elements of the earth in verse 8. We see the, the ground and the plants called to praise the Lord in verse 9. We see the birds of the air in verse 10. We see all of humanity called to praise the Lord in verses 11 and 12. Thus, the title of my sermon is appropriate, All Creation Called to Praise. And so if you've missed the application this morning, <laughs> here it is. Right? We need to be praisers of God. We need to worship Him. So let's look at my, my first point this morning. Praise Him from the heavens. Verses 1 through 6. It just begins, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in His heights. Praise Him all His angels. Praise Him all His hosts. Now what's interesting here is that these words were not written to us. These words are written as exhortations to angels in the angelic world. It's written to those who are in the heights. We're on earth. We're not in the heavens. We're not in the heights. And we aren't angels. We aren't the heavenly host. But these words are calling those beings to praise the Lord and not us. These words weren't written to us. Now, what's interesting, on the one hand, we're used to this because really none of the Bible is written to us. The Bible was written to ancient Israel. The Old Testament was to the Jewish people. That's not us. The, the Bible was written to churches that existed long ago and to people and pastors that were written long ago. It wasn't written to us. It was written to them. Now, it's written for us. For sure, it's written for us to learn. And there's often application that slides through. If God is commanding these people to be like this, if he's commanding the people of God to be like well, then we ought to be like that. But this is kind of in a, in a different realm God's commanding angels to praise Him. Whereas oftentimes, right, when, when God speaks to the people of Israel, at least we're human. But here's, here's a call and a command to angelic beings that we are not like. We aren't angels. We are fallen sinners. In, in Adam, we have fallen. We have fallen by, by nature and by choice. We're children of wrath and, until Christ comes and saves us. And so we can be a child of God. But angels are a class of, of creation that's totally different than us. They live in a different realm than we do. And yet, they're still called to praise the Lord. And, and praise Him, they do. In fact, you remember that scene in Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah comes into the throne room of God in the year that King Uzziah died? He says this, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filling the temple. And above Him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, and with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. There are angelic beings around the throne of God, even right now, praising the Lord. As John saw the similar vision in Revelation 4, verse 9, he says they never cease to do that. They say it night and day, never ceasing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. They like, you know, we, we sung today, whatever, four songs or so, five, and we'll sing the doxology when I finish my message this morning. But they sing one song. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And, and when you read the book of Revelation, you see the, the heavenly host praising God often. Consider this. At one point in, in, in human history, right, when there's this big gathering of people, when God gathers the people to Himself, Revelation 7.11 says, all the angels, that's the myriads and myriads of angels, 
were standing around the throne, around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and honor and thanksgiving and power might be to our God forever and ever. All these things be to our God forever and ever. That's all the angelic beings. And they often surround the throne of God and worship Him. It's almost as if, Psalm 148, verse 2, this psalm was read, and the angels heard it, and they obeyed spot on. Now, of course, it needs to be said that there are some angels, angelic beings, who, who don't praise God. These are called demons. See, there's two classes of angelic beings, those who are pure and righteous, who worship before the throne, and those who are wicked and who fight against the plan of God. They seek to resist Him in, in every way. But the angels... The, the righteous ones do praise God, and they do it very well. It's as if they heard verse 2 and have complied. And, and by the way, when it says in verse 2 of the host, it's simply a, a large angelic army gathered together. That's like lots of angels together when it says as hosts. And we are familiar with this. We read the birth of Jesus every Christmas when the angel said to the shepherds, Fear not, I bring you good news, a great joy to be for you and for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It speaks about the sign, how the baby will be in the manger. And then it says this in Luke verse 13. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. There's the angel. There's, there's the host. There's all that there. And they do, right? This isn't written to us. It's written for us. It's helpful for us to know that angels are worshiping the Lord. And certainly we're called to worship as well. But there's something here that helps us. It's for us, right? It's not written to us. It's written for us. It helps us to know that the angels, that's what they do. They worship God. They glorify Him. But the angels aren't the only creation of God in the heavens that's called to praise the Lord. We also have planets and stars. Verse 3, praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. I I trust, again, this is going to strike you as odd. I I mean, it, it wasn't written to us. It was written to the sun and the moon and the shining stars. If we're unlike the angels, we're even more unlike the sun and the moon and the stars. I mean, we live at least on this planet, um, but they're like spheres flying around in the universe, just way out there someplace far away from us. And, and I trust that it strikes you a bit odd that God would call these inanimate objects without a will to praise the Lord. I, I told you last week that not all praise is singing. Uh, we see singing in, in four of these psalms. I, I think I mentioned three of them last week, but there are four of these psalms that have singing. But this one doesn't have any singing. It just says, praise the Lord. And, and certainly, sun, moon, and shining stars don't sing to God. They don't have vocal cords. The only expression of those, whatever, be some, whatever, volcanic sprouting from planets or the, the sound of the sun, I'm sure, is very loud with all that fusion going on. I'm sure it's loud. But we don't hear it. But it's not singing. Yet they do praise the Lord. Psalm 19, verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Meaning the sun, even without words, yet still is proclaiming the glory of God. And I think in some regards, right, the mere size of these heavenly bodies, the distance from our own worth, day and night are giving glory to God. 
And in fact, that's why I'm so thrilled with the James Webb Telescope. It's reaching further and further than we as mankind have ever reached before. And, and I just think of these godless astrophysicists who are encountering just glory upon glory upon glory upon glory of these, these far-distant things they've never seen before, created for His glory. What was astonishing to me is, is those, those galaxies are far off, that just appears dots, have billions and billions of stars, those are created for His glory, whether we ever see them or not. And the stars and the galaxies, even behind those stars, that we will never be able to see, though some of them are warped and stuff because of gravitational lensing, we can see some of those. And I think these astrophysicists who fail, most of them, to see the creating hand of God in all, God is screaming to them, just evangelism, like, there's a God, deal with me. There's a God, deal with me. God is there, and he's, all these things do praise God. I mean, it, it's as if the sun, moon, and shining stars read verse 3 and complied. Well, there's more praise, though, commanded from heavens, and it, it comes in, in verse 4. Praise Him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Now, what, what's strange here in verse 4 is that, is that God is talking to nothing. The, the highest heavens, that would be like the, the star furthest from the space. And space is almost a near-perfect vacuum. There's like, like nothingness there. Even nothingness can praise God. Yet, you know, there, there's this way where vast emptiness is, is glorious, right? When you, say, when you go to the Grand Canyon and, and you see the walls of the canyon, just the mere size, the mere gap, the mere space there just like leaves you in awe. Like, you know, if, the, if those canyons were, like, together, it'd be awe-inspiring, right? But, but the fact that how big they are and how big this place is gives reason to praise the Lord. And so, likewise, the vastness of space gives glory to God, right? That, that isn't it amazing of how vast God is? And it says in Isaiah 40, we read last week, that He spans the heavens with His span. Like, as far away and as big as the creation is, that's how far it is to God. And even the nothingness just draws us to praise Him. And then verse 4 speaks about the waters above the heavens, probably referring to our clouds, the, the, the moisture in our atmosphere. And um, any child knows how glorious clouds are in the sky. I remember as a child doing this, maybe not often, but enough. I, I don't take enough time as an adult just to lay on the grass and look up and then see in the fluffy clot, cotton clouds as they come across. Oh, there's a bunny. Oh, now it looks like a dog. Oh, now it looks sort of like a cow. Oh, there's a, there's a kind of a dome structure. A donut, I see. Like all this sort of stuff. Just see in the clouds. There's the, the glory of the clouds can even speak of, of God and His beautiful images. All that in the heavens. From the heavens are called to praise the Lord. And then we end with a nice summary in verse 5 and 6. Let them praise the name of the Lord. So that's just a summary. Let, let all these things praise the Lord. Sun, moon, shining stars, angels, hosts, space, heavens. Let it all praise the Lord. Right, and verse 5 really gives the reason why creation is to glorify God. It's because He created. Created things are to give glory to the Creator. That's how, how it even designed. Like even when we make things, there, there's a sense sometimes, particularly say with a, an artistic painting, right? it, it, it draws beauty to, it draws glory, it draws awe to the one who made it. Or a fine a craftsmanship 
It can draw honor to the one who made it. And so likewise here, God commanded and they were created. And as created beings, as created substance even, we are called to praise the Lord. This world's not going away. It will change for sure. When Jesus returns and brings eternity on, it'll be refreshed with new heavens and a new earth. But in all, right, we're going to be here. We'll live eternally with Christ. The heavens will be there. He's established it forever. Well, let's move on. We've, we've moved from the heavens up, now down to the earth where, where we are. Terra firma, if you will. Not only does the psalmist call us to praise God from the heavens, from the heavens, right? It calls us to praise God from the earth. That is the things that are on the earth. And now we're going to become uh, very earthly, right? We're, we're going to look down from up rather than like, way high in the sky. And, and verse 7 says this, praise the Lord from the earth. That, that's, that's where I get my, um, my outline, my, my title here. And, and the rest of the psalm, we survey the angels and the heavens, the sun, moon, and clouds. Now we're going to survey everything upon the earth. The psalmist begins with the oceans, it's appropriate to begin with the oceans, right? Because the oceans cover like 71% of all of our planet. It's a lot. That's most of our planet. And, and so the psalmist says, Praise the Lord from the earth and begins, You great sea creatures and all deeps. Just all the animals in the oceans are called to praise the Lord. And, and I just think about, you know, the ocean is an amazing place. You have the, the largest of the whales. The blue whale there, 90 feet long. I mean, we're talking, if you put its tail up against the back, his head is going well out those doors. That's how big that creature is. And then you have the smallest of creatures. Now, there are a bunch of them, like newborn fish and shrimp and crabs. But I found this guy. This guy was a super interesting octopus wolfie found in the shallow waters of the Pacific Ocean, coming in at a whopping one inch in length, weighing less than a gram, the octopus wolfie. And they're all, all the animals in between the size of that. And you just use your imagination, like what's, what's in the seas, whether it's the sea lions or the sea turtles or it's fish or mackerel or tuna or the squids or the crustaceans on the bottom of the ocean. All those are called to praise the Lord. Now, now again, right? Catch this. God is writing this not to us. He's writing this to fish. He's writing this to your goldfish. Now, I've never seen anyone train a goldfish. Except by they, they bring out the little bottle and they all, all start going to the top. But a roll goldfish, right? They can't. I don't know how this is communicated. But this is a call to all creation to praise the Lord. And, and I don't know how it all works. But I think that the animals all praise the Lord. I've not seen a rebel fish shake its fin at God in rebellion. I've not seen that. I think the created order praises the Lord. If nothing else, merely a reflection of His creative glory, of the, the divergence and spectacular creation He's made. Well, in verse 8, He continues, right, with things upon the earth. Fire and hail, snow and mist, storming wind, fulfilling His word. Commanding all to praise the Lord and and, and, and on the one hand, I, like, how is it that fire is supposed to praise the Lord? It's inanimate. It just, it just happens when you have three things, right? Fuel and oxygen and heat, energy. Like, then you have fire. Like, so those things have to come together, and then you get fire, and some of that praises the Lord. Whether the, I, I don't know how, how that works, but I just say this. Who doesn't look at a campfire without being mesmerized, mesmerized by the flickering light? 
as you're around the campfire. And some of you are around the global campfire on a daily basis, and I'm praising the Lord for that, if you understand what I'm saying. But they're around with the flames going up. It's just it's mesmerizing. You just, you're around a campfire, you're really not looking at other people so much. You just look at that flame. It's just fantastic. Who doesn't look at a forest fire? without being in awe of its power, that many mighty men and many trucks and bulldozers and tractors and planes can't control its rage. Who doesn't see the snowfall covering the earth and all white without beholding the beauty of that? Who doesn't see the fog roll in and and feel the calm of the day or the night? Who doesn't feel the wind acknowledging that forces exist beyond our sight? And perhaps this is the way that they give praise to God. If they affect us, we can give praise to God. But there's somehow where they are commanded, and I believe that they do. It's, it's almost as if I think the fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind heard this verse and obeyed God. It's almost as if that is a place. Well, then in verse 9, we see land and vegetation called the praise of the Lord. Again, praise the Lord on mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars. Now, it's easy, right? We look at the mountains and just we're in awe. Of the mountains. Um, we look at the hills, and they can be pretty as well. Avon is from uh, Northern California, where we go out there in the summertime, and these, these green hills for a few months then are golden by the time we get there, and these golden rolling hills of Northern California are beautiful. Fruit trees. This is speaking of God's glory, giving us this nice, nice fruit to eat, the good peach. Or a good apple. Let me extend that even to fruit. Like, who doesn't enjoy a good strawberry? Some of you are probably allergic to it. I, I don't even know. But the fruit is good. Or the cedars. Right? Give lumber, we can build our houses. The trees. I mean, all of that, they have been commanded. But verse 9, again, it's not so much that it's their beauty that reflects to us so we give praise to God. Verse 9 doesn't say... Uh, People, look at the mountains and hills, fruit trees and cedars, and realize that God made them all and glorify God. It's no, these things themselves are, are praising God. And, I, and I, I believe that in some regards, just the heavens tell the glory of God day after day without speech. So do the hills and so do the trees. Uh, the song we sang, Is He Worthy? There's one of the lines, is, is all creation groaning? It is. There's a way in which sinful man has infle- is, is, has put upon our creation just a destructive nature that's not quite right. It's not right, and creation knows that. And Psalm 96 and Psalm 98 speak of the joy of creation when the Lord comes back and restores it all. Psalm 96, 11 through 13, listen. Let the heavens be glad, let the earth rejoice, let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for He comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in His faithfulness. I don't know how that works, but somehow there's this song of, of joy. They will sing for joy in a way that's just not reflecting, merely reflecting the glory of God, but inactive. You remember when Jesus walked in in the uh, triumphal entry and, and the children were praising Him? The first, he said, stop those children. Stop those people what they're saying. And Jesus says, they have to praise. And if they were silent, what? The stones would cry out. Just this creation would, would come. And I think when the, the creation order is restored, the trees and the hills and the mountains will sing for joy at the coming of the Lord. That's exactly what Psalm 96 says 
They will sing for joy. Maybe in a way that's different now. I'm not sure. I mean, this is all poetic for sure. Right? But it, it's just these things, the creation glorifies God. In. And then and then verse 10. Beasts and all livestock, creeping things and, and flying birds. This pretty much covers the gamut of all, all created things. Which, by the way, I mean, isn't it interesting that all of these things listed in Genesis were, were listed here, were listed in Genesis. Right? You got plants created on day three, and we see plants. And we see the sun, moon, and stars created on day four, and, and we see them here. And on, on day five, we have the creatures of the sea and the creatures of the air, and they're here. And on day six, you have the beasts, and then we're going to get to people in verse 11 and 12. Like all of creation, that's my title, all creation called to praise. You just read the Genesis account, and it's like everything, everything is here. It all fits out. But here we see beasts and all livestock. Beasts, I, I suspect, are like wild animals on the ground, whether it's lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. It's all of them are here. Um, the livestock, the domesticated animals, the horses and the cows and the goats and the sheep, the creeping things. You know, might be reference to the, the reptiles, the, the snakes and um, the lizards and the spiders, the tarantulas. Anything that creeps, the frogs maybe. The, the flying birds include the eagles and the hawks and the robins and the honeybirds. All these God has created all of them to praise the Lord. Now, I'm not sure how it is that they hear the exhortation. Psalm 148 is written to the animals. So you can right, go to your, you know, whatever. You have some pigs or whatever. Go to the pigs and say, oh, pigs, you're livestock. You're right here. You know that you are commanded to praise the Lord. You know what the pigs are going to say? <laughs> and in some sense, though, however, I do believe that it's a reflection of the glory of God. They hear these verses somehow, and they obey. And finally, in verse 11, we come to people. People who can actually praise God with mouths that can be heard, and with minds that can be thought through, and and, and articulated, who, who can articulate, you can hear God's command and actually respond in obedience to it. That, that's what verse 11 kind of getting down to us. I think it's, it's unique. And in verse 11, we see all kinds of people. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. In other words, everybody, everybody, whether you're young and old, whether you're male or female, whether you're weak or powerless, or strong and mighty, we're called to praise the Lord. I mean, you're all going to fit there, every single one of you. And if you doubt, well, all peoples. Are you people? Are you people? In our gender identity problems today, I think we can say, yes, we're, we're people, okay? Even the world would say, yes, we're people, right? That, that's there. All peoples. And, and, and I, I read one commentary this week that talked about how kings and princes and rulers of all men, they're most responsible to worship and praise God so as to lead their, their people in the praise as well. But whether you're young, young man or you're maiden, young woman, whether you're old, whether you're the youngest among us, the oldest among us, we're called to praise the Lord. And by the way, this is where Psalm 150 is going to end, verse 6, let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. So the call of creation to praise the Lord, I think in some regards, especially for His people, especially the, the crown of creation as you go through Genesis, is man, made on day six. 
Very good. He was given to rule the earth, to tend to the garden. But God calls for everybody to praise the Lord. There, there's no bounds. And I think right, right here becomes a dividing line between are, are you one of the people of God or are you not? Are you one who's worshiping the Lord or are you not? That, that's really the great point of, of application here. Are you worshiping God or not? So, so picture with me a choir. Not a choir of people, but a, a choir of creation in a, in, a, in a giant choir loft, just right, right behind us here. And, and we, have, we have different things in this choir loft. Here, here in the front left, we have the, the angelic hosts. We've got some angels here. We've got a bunch of angels because we have all of the angelic hosts. And, and then up here, right, we have the sun and the moon, and they brought some of their relatives, other planets from other solar systems, or maybe Jupiter's here and some other stars are, are, are up here in the, the, the top left. And then the back right, we've got um, like mountains and, and hills right there. And we've got trees and the vegetation. And then, and then, and then down here, we've got, we got, we got animals of, of all different types, all representative of, of everything we got, whether it's dolphins and sea turtles or elk and rabbits and, and owls. And then right in the front sit you, a person, one in the image of God, unique from all the others, and yet part, as Psalm 148 says, part of all the others. And in fact, because you're special, because you're a crown of creation, you got the microphone up in front, like, like sometimes they have choirs in the back, orchestra in the back, and then they have soloists with the microphone so they can be heard above everything. And the music begins of this choir. The choir begins to make its melody. The, the cows over here are going, right? It's like making their melody somehow. And the, and the wind is making its, it's going, somehow. And the angelic beings are speaking in their angelic tongues, which we don't even know what, what that is. And what are you doing? Are you opening your mouth? Are you praising the Lord? Are you giving honor to God Almighty as one of the creation choir? Or are you not? As I picture a choir in front of a stage, I'm picturing the time when the tiny tots come up and sing. You know, and you got these little kids, and, and some are singing right along because they know the words, and then there are others who are kind of looking around, clueless, scared, because they don't know what's going on. You know what I'm talking about, right? That's why kids come to the, our Christmas program. Like parents come and grandparents come because it's cute. But not all of them are singing. Not all of them are into it. There's some that just don't know. And that's a cute way. But there's some people, even surrounded by the creation chorus, astrophysicists, if you will, your neighbors, if you will, maybe some of you, who are part of this choir because everything created is part of a choir. God created for a purpose. Proverbs 16, verse 4. Everything's created for its purpose. And the purpose for you is to join in the chorus and give praise to God. Charles Spurgeon said it well when he's summarizing everything. He says, True devotion not only hears the praises of God in the sweet song of the feathered minstrels, you know, your cardinal singing its little tune, but even discovers it in the croaking of the frogs from the marsh. Or in the buzz of the blue fire, which sings in the window, window pane. Then he says this. 
more base than reptiles, more insignificant than insects, are songless men. Baser than reptiles, more insignificant than insects, are men who don't sing and worship and praise the Lord. That's men, that's women, that's people. People don't worship. They're like out of harmony with all of creation. Like I, I tried to emphasize here that I know that the heavens give glory to God. The angels give glory to God. I think all the creatures are giving glory to God. And who are you not to give glory to God? Everyone's singing except you. It's the call of this psalm is for all creation to praise the Lord. And then verse 13 and 14 give us reason why is to praise the Lord or the call to praise the Lord. Just like um, verse 5 was a summary. Let them praise the name of the Lord. Verse 13 is let them praise the name of the Lord. Summing up everything. Why? For His name alone is exalted. And His majesty is above earth and heaven. See, God is the only one deserving of our praise. He alone is lifted high. We're to worship Him and serve no other. I am the Lord your God. You shall serve Me and no others. Here is where the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love Him alone with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then verse 14 continues a reason why to praise the Lord. Because He's raised up a horn for His people. Praise for all His saints, for the people of Israel who are near to Him. Praise the Lord. Now, it's, it's, it's difficult here to know what horn means. But in the Bible, horn is always an emblem of strength. You read Daniel, right? The, the beast coming out with the horns. He's got a lot of strength. And beasts of the field, right? They have the horns. They're weapons against other beasts. And I can't help but to think that this is a reference, a veiled reference to Messiah. The one whom God raised up to be our strength. To be the one that we worship Because it says he's raised up a horn for his people, and that horn is the object of praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. And to say that even was was read this morning from the words of Zechariah, he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. I think that's where the gospel's coming in. That's where our hope is. That he's raised up a horn for his people. Who it can be? It's got to be Messiah. It's got to be Jesus, this strong one who conquered for us. That we who are far off then have been brought near. Look, look, look at the language here. For the people of Israel who are near to Him. That's for His saints, the praise of the Lord. And, and saints, just simply those who have trusted in the Messiah. Those who have trusted in Christ. Then, then the promise of the Gospel is that we who are far off have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Been redeemed from our sins. And natural, like, like we must. We must then praise the Lord. Because we've been redeemed. Redeemed people will give thanks to the Lord. They will praise the Lord. So you've got to say, am I praising the Lord? My actions, my words, my thoughts. If you're not, it may be you're not redeemed. You don't know Christ. Well, I want to close by directing our attention. You can take out your hymnals if you want to, to hymn number 63. I think we probably sung this, and maybe you didn't really think about the words to this song. They probably just zipped along. Um, they didn't zip along for me because I've been meditating on Psalm 148 all week. And this was written by St. Francis of Assisi originally, then translated later. But St. Francis of Assisi was a, a nature-loving priest of the Catholic Church, I think. Some kind of father of the, the Catholic Church who you know, just, just loved the natural theology, loved the creatures. And, and look at what he says. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. There it is. 
all creation called the praise. This is Psalm 148. This is what it's about. Thou burning sun with golden beam, thou silver moon with softer gleam. There are the planetary bodies, the sun and the moon. Oh, praise him. Oh, praise him. Alleluia. Alleluia. So I, I trust you notice also here. Oh, praise him is alleluia. Oh, praise him is alleluia. And so every time this stanza ends with five times, alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Praise him, praise him, praise him. Stanza two. Thou rushing wind that art so strong. We saw the wind in verse eight. Ye clouds that sail in heaven along. We saw the clouds. Thou rising morn in praise rejoice. Ye lights of evening find a voice. Just morning and evening. The sun setting, the sun rising, the the heavenly lights, the the sunsets that God paints for us every night. Fresh canvas every night. Thou flowing water pure and clear. Make music for thy Lord to hear. Just as the bird sings its songs and chirps away, the, the stream of the water likewise speaks of God's glory, calling it to Thou fire so masterful and bright. Thou givest man both warmth and light. There's the fire. Praise God. And this is, this is a call of this hymn. This is St. Francis of Sisi saying, Fire, water. Praise God. Let's keep going. Four, four. And, and he's coming to us, All ye men of tender heart, forgiving others, take your part. And, and, and there it is, right? You've been forgiven. Forgiven people forgive people. Ye who long pain and sorrow bear, praise God and on Him cast your care. May the God of Jacob be your help. You cast your care upon Him because He cares for you. Psalm 50, verse 20, cast all your burdens upon the Lord. He will sustain you. So he's calling you. For us to praise God, we simply need to cast our cares upon Him. And it says, verse 5, let all things their Creator bless. And worship Him in humbleness. That's, that's just in contrast to exalt. If God is highly exalted, we need to be humble. That's all that's saying. And then, just to bring in the Trinitarian hope of what we have, praise, praise the Father, praise the Son, and praise the Spirit, three in one. That's not from Psalm 148, but it definitely is Christian worship as we worship the Trinity, worship the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost is who we are called to worship written by St. Francis of Assisi, a lover of nature. And I read this week that in his last days, he was basically blind and uh, like unable really to endure the, the sunlight, the, the daylight, something about the, the brightness really, really caused him pain. And so one of the sisters of his convent or community there built him a, a little hut which he could live out the rest of his days. And it was sad that even, even there, in that darkness of that, that hut we couldn't even see, he was preaching. And he particularly was preaching to the birds, urging them to praise God. Oh, cardinals, praise the Lord, you cardinals. Oh, robins, praise the Lord, because his eyes are shut. He can at least hear those, right? He can't hear the, the, the cat or the cow so much. He could hear the birds in that gentle place where he was. And then it was sad that at a meal with his sisters who lived in this whole community together is when he wrote the text, All Creatures of Our God and King. And he died October 3rd, 1226, singing Psalm 142. So singing out his song, he's commanding the birds to praise that just through what God says. And I can't help but to think that Psalm 148 was in his mind when he wrote that, that hymn. Well, the Lord has made everything for his purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. Your purpose is to praise God. 
along with all the creation chorus. And I just pray we at Rock Valley Bible Church would be those who would be praising God with a creation chorus. So let's pray. Father, if anything, these, these psalms are calling us to one thing, to praise You. And we can praise You for many reasons. We pray you for, praise You for the glory of the creation in which You have made Yourself known, clearly demonstrating Your eternal power and Your divine nature through what has been seen. Lord, I pray that we would not turn our backs on Your creation, but that we would see that, just that, that science would draw us in to, to love and adore just the way in which You have made the world. You're a God of order who has made the world the way you've made the world and brought life and you brought beasts and you brought mountains and beauty and all these things, oh God, you have brought them and I pray that they would lead us to sing praise to you for creation. But I pray especially, God, that we'd praise you for our Messiah, for Jesus who was crucified for our sins in our stead. That he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might know your righteousness. And so, Father, I pray you would stir us with that because that is really the anthem of praise. You save us, as Ephesians 1 says, to the praise of the glory of His grace, to the praise of Your glory, to the praise of Your glory, the redemption that we have in Jesus Christ. And so in that, O oh God, we, we long to, to be worshipers of You. I, I pray you'd help us enjoy Sundays. Enjoy when the saints are together. Enjoy opportunities, even our own, when we're, we're pouring over Your Scriptures or or listening to praise music, or focusing our hearts and attention upon you through maybe some Christian book or Christian talk, as we think of you and your great goodness and kindness to us in Jesus. God, so may we always be part of that creation chorus, singing your praise. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to finish by singing the doxology. Yes? Yep. So would you guys please... uh stand as we uh, sing praise to God and close out our service today. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him Dismissed.